In January, Bridget Callahan got a weird letter from a healthcare company she'd never heard of, and it was confusing. You know, it didn't say what it was for. It, it wasn't really a bill. Just one page, actually just two short paragraphs, saying her insurance company needed more information about the above-referenced claim. Above was her husband's name, an account number, a date of service four months in the past, and an account balance of 12000 and some dollars. She's like, holy crap. $12,000 would be a huge hit. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. It is six months worth of house payments for her. She and her husband do not have it lying around. The letter was dated December 31st, and it's said to get in touch within five working days. And, and if you'll notice the postmark, I didn't get that until January 9th. That's a long time for that to take to arrive. Yeah, right. Yeah, especially when they say you need to contact us within five days. Within five days, right. I told you, holy crap. Now, this story gets worse before it gets better, but it does get better because one, Bridget is on it. And two, Bridget didn't know it at the time, but she had a guy. His name is Steve. And Steve is going to teach us a thing or two. This is An Arm and a Leg, a show about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm a reporter, and I like a challenge. So my job on this show is to take this terrifying and raging and depressing piece of American life and give you something entertaining, empowering, and useful. These days, I am leaning into that useful part. We are in the middle of a pandemic, so we are all that much closer to some kind of holy crap situation. This podcast is a school for financial self-defense, now in session. I'm going to introduce you here to an expert, Steve Bonasso. I met Steve because he sent a note to NPR for the Bill of the Month series they do with Kaiser Health News, which is also our co-producer for this show. They're not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente. More on that later. I got to tell part of Steve's story on the radio, and it went like this. Steve and his daughter Izzy were playing tennis last summer when Izzy made a big reach for the ball. Here's Izzy. I pivoted really hard. And something didn't feel great. And before I knew it, I couldn't straighten out my legs. She bent over and was like, oh, no. And I wasn't terribly concerned at first just because she's been a competitive soccer player all her life. I just expected her to bounce back. But she didn't. Izzy says it wasn't even the pain that had her shedding a tear. It was the thought she might have a serious knee injury. I've seen quite a few teammates tear ACLs and know what that recovery process was. An MRI brought good news. Izzy didn't tear her ACL. It was her meniscus. Much faster recovery. She was in and out of surgery within a week. Then Izzy headed back to college for her senior year. Steve watched the mail for bills. And before the first one arrived, there was a letter from someone who said he was a surgical assistant. It was very cordial, and it basically was explaining that this was not a bill for services, that he had let our insurance carrier know that he was present during Izzy's surgery. Like they were just sneaking people in while I was unconscious, and then they could all write letters and say, hey, we were there too. A month later, a follow-up from the same guy with the same message. And to understand what Steve does next, there's a couple things worth knowing about him. First, Steve is the kind of person to check every receipt twice and argue over any discrepancies he finds. Izzy says her family's gotten lots of free stuff as a result. Like when this supermarket manager sent over a basket of food and some gift cards after Steve complained about something. That's 
by far not the best one. My wife and I received a free ski trip to Sun Valley once. Oh, yes, that one was good. The other thing about Steve is his job. He's a human resources director, and he encourages people where he works to come to him with questions about their medical bills. Anything looks fishy, he goes to battle for them. I am a bulldog on this stuff. I do it every month. So this weird letter from a surgical assistant, Steve gets suspicious, writes the guy right back to say, I'm guessing you're telling me this, so I'm not surprised to get a bill from you. And I'm also guessing you don't take our insurance, which is why you're trying to soften me up. And I want you to know that I have absolutely no intention of paying your bill. And if you feel that you're owed something for your services, I suggest you take it up with busy surgeon and that you perhaps come to some sort of agreement on how to split the fee that uh, that he receives. Or, he closes, you can have the pleasure of arguing this with the insurance company yourself. That letter is hilarious. And it seems to have worked. Steve says he has not heard from that guy since. No bill, no nothing. So the NPR story was about that one incident. And by the end of my interview with Steve, I was like, I got a live one here. I said to him, you love disputing bills? And you take on medical bills all the time for your job? Like really every month? And he was like, yep. He says the last one was over a bill for more than 10,000 bucks. The person getting the bill had done everything right, Steve said, but the insurance denied it. Steve said he took care of it, and... I forced our insurance company to review every out-of-network claim for the last three years (laughs) so that I could personally look at them and make sure that this hadn't happened before. You did. That's very interesting. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, when can we talk again? And when we did, I asked Steve how he became the kind of a guy who picks over every bill. That's my dad. There's no question. Steve's dad was an accountant, and... Not overpaying was part of his personality. I remember him telling me as a kid, you know, looking at the bill at a restaurant and said, look, round these numbers up and do a quick addition. And if it's within three or four dollars or five dollars, it's probably right. And if it's off by 15 or 20 bucks, not right. So not overpaying and not being a pushover became part of Steve's personality, too. And then. About 15 years ago, Steve was running HR for a company in Austin, Texas, and he hired a health insurance broker based on a very appealing pitch. It was, you know, we have this person in our office who is dedicated to helping people figure out their bills when something doesn't appear to be right. And did they say to you, like, and you'd be surprised how often this happens? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and that wasn't a surprise to me I, because I knew that something wasn't necessarily right. I just didn't have any idea what the steps looked like to, you know, to get it corrected. And this struck Steve as a bigger deal than fighting over his own tab in a restaurant. A lot of the people at his company worked in warehouses, lived paycheck to paycheck. It was really hurtful, right, to see to see people who were of modest means and an additional 50 or 100 bucks for something they didn't know meant a big deal. Steve signed his company up with this broker, and it worked. He says the woman at this insurance broker's office, the fixer, turned the light on for him. And she'd be the first one to tell you, no, you know, this is exactly how it it works under your policy, or no, this is incorrect and you're being taken advantage of or they're making a mistake. Steve took notes. Over time, I learned more and more to the point where I could look at someone's bill and knew immediately that they either did owe the money or didn't. So Steve became a fixer too. He moved on to other jobs at other companies and wherever he went. It kind of became known that, you know, Steve really hates insurance companies and hates seeing people get taken advantage of. So if you bring this to him, you know, chances are he'll he'll help you work something out. And lucky for Bridget Callahan, the woman with the holy crap letter saying she owes 12,000 bucks, 
Steve is the HR director where her husband works. And he's going to help work something out. We'll get to that story right after this. This episode of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service covering healthcare in America. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with the big healthcare outfit Kaiser Permanente. We'll have a little more information about Kaiser Health News at the end of this episode. Okay. Bridget's got this holy crap letter. It says she and her husband are about to be on the hook for $12,047.26. Unless, it's not even clear what, some kind of insurance mix-up? The letter is from a company she's never heard of. It says there's some kind of question about insurance, wants a response by a date that's already passed by the time the letter arrives. Oh, and it actually lists the wrong insurance company for her. I was very puzzled when I saw that. Yeah, that never got cleared up. And this letter doesn't even say what that $12,000 charge was for. Now, of all the people to get a letter like this, Bridget is pretty well equipped. For one, she's got time. Since she and her husband moved east to be close to their daughter and their young grandkids, Bridget hasn't had a full-time job. And two, she's organized. I've got the handwritten notes she took. Top of page one, January 9th, 2020. Received letter, in big writing, 12,000! Two exclamation marks. By the end of that day, she's figured out this was for a stress test. This is a heart thing. They put you on a treadmill and see how you do. I was like, that can't be right, $12,000. I mean, she barely remembered her husband going in for this thing. She thinks he'd had a funny EKG reading ahead of getting knee surgery. And the doc was like, go get a stress test. Seemed routine. Oh, and by the way, I've looked this test up on a couple of websites. $12,000 is a lot of money for a stress test. 70 bucks, 150 is more normal for the test. You could toss in up to 3000 if the hospital is adding in a lot of charges. Bridget did not know that. She only knew $12,000 is a lot of money. Six months of house payments. So the next day, she is on it. Calls the company that sent the bill. Calls the insurance company. Calls the company that sent the bill again. Goes to the hospital. Her notes say, spoke to a woman with a supervisor badge. Gets some paperwork. Calls the insurance company again. That's a full day. And here's what she learns. Her insurance is denying the claim because the hospital is out of network. Not covered. Which seems nuts all around because one... When her husband came in for the procedure, they checked his insurance card, right? They always do that. So, you know, while they're doing that. Why don't they say this insurance isn't going to work at our facility? I know, right? Bridget was pissed. That's why she went to the hospital, saw that woman with the supervisor badge. And that woman gave Bridget paperwork. And you know what it was? It was a pre-approval form from Bridget's insurance company that said, yep, We approve you getting this procedure from this doc at this place. And I was going, well, this is ridiculous. If you get a letter from your insurance company saying this procedure is approved and it has the name of a facility on it. Then Bridget's like, this kind of makes me think I'm covered here. In fact, it makes me think I'm only covered if I go here. It says this place. It's nuts end of the day, she makes sure the insurance company and the company sending the weird letter both have that form. And a few days later, she's back on the phone with everybody. I mean, every phone call is just takes forever. You know, first you're on hold to get a person, then you talk to the person, they they have to figure out, you know, what the thing is. One of her notes from this day includes, in parenthesis, 34-minute call, mostly on hold. 
By the end of that day of calls, she's got an address and a fax number for where to submit an appeal to her insurance. She writes it all up. She even notes in her appeal letter, look, in one of these calls, somebody from your side insurance company said, hey, the pre-approval letter does have a couple of caveats. They're labeled important reminders. And in her appeal, she's like, oh, yeah, let's take a look at what those reminders say. One reminder is if your doc goes beyond what we're approving, does any other stuff, you might be on the hook for that stuff. But that is not the deal here. The other important reminder is, hey, you've got to actually be enrolled in this plan in good standing, which she is. She writes it all up, sends it certified mail. Two months later, she hears back. They're like, nah, we're denying your appeal. And this is my favorite thing that Bridget does. She doesn't stop. She asks them, well, what's the next step? They refer her to a government agency, which actually refers her to the company her husband works for. She gets a phone number, an address, a couple of names. She calls, gets a call back from somebody named Susie, who passes Bridget's complaint on to Steve. And my first reaction was the same as hers, which was, I don't understand why they're not paying for it either. They approved everything in advance. Steve gets things escalated, which he can do because he actually holds the purse strings. I mean, Steve is the guy who decides whether or not his company re-ups their contract with this insurance company next year. I tell him, yeah, you're the paying customer. They've got to take your call. That's exactly right. They would not have gone through this extra level of review had I not called. But he did. So they did. And here's what they found. They looked at their own website and found that it lists this provider as being in network. Here's what the insurance company told Steve. They used to be in network, but we didn't clean up our list. They should have been taken off. But because they weren't taken off, we're going to approve it and pay it. So that is 12000 bucks worth of good news to Bridget and her husband. She is relieved. Steve is mad. He thinks the insurance company should be like, Man, we really screwed up, and we're sorry, and that's not acceptable. And therefore, this is what we're going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again, all those things. And they have never done that, not once. So Steve demands that review of the last three years of denied claims for everybody in his company. They say, okay. And he wants the insurance company to put in new safeguards, like changing the pre-approval form. They say, nope. Steve is still mad, but he only has so much leverage and only so many choices. There are only so many big insurance companies. You know, when I told the chief financial officer, uh, he said, do you really think anybody else is going to treat this any differently? And my answer to him was, I really don't care. So Steve, who is a fighter by nature and knows the ins and outs and has enough clout that he got the insurance company to go back and fix Bridget's case and a bunch of other cases, month after month, year after year, Steve is mad. Steve is frustrated. And this honestly sucks. Because, of course, where does that leave the rest of us? Where does that leave those of us who don't have a Steve? Like we work for ourselves or we work someplace where the head of HR is no Steve Bonasso. On and on. I'm here to tell you it is okay to be pissed about this. Steve is pissed. I am pissed. That is 100% reasonable and natural and probably pretty healthy. Here's what we can't do. We can't give up. This is a marathon. And I'm not a marathon runner, but here's what I understand. If you're going to run one, you got to train and you got to pace yourself. So let's take a minute here, grab a metaphorical cup of Gatorade, see what we've learned. First, a practical thing from Bridget's story. Never let your guard down. Start playing defense first chance you get. In this instance, the doc's office gets pre-approval from your insurance. 
verify for yourself that the doc is on your insurance company's list. And if you find it online, grab a screenshot. My pals at Kaiser Health News tell me that this kind of mistake, where insurance companies forget to scrub their lists, happens all the time. So look them up, grab a screenshot, and email that sucker to yourself so there's a date stamp. I know, it's annoying, but not as annoying as what Bridget went through. Okay. Second, here's a piece of advice Steve gives people where he works. Once you understand the basics of how your insurance works, like you know what your deductible is, when you get a bill, trust yourself. If you think something looks like it's incorrect, there's a good chance it is. Don't doubt yourself just because you got this very official-looking bill in the mail. Third, and this is really a lesson from both Bridget and Steve, and it's the big one. Don't give up. I love how even when they denied her appeal, Bridget was like, okay, what's the next step? And it turned out to be Steve. We don't all have a Steve, but Bridget would 100% not have found hers if she hadn't been such a trooper. And one way to look at this is, you go into battle, be prepared for it to be a long one. For instance, here's another piece of advice that Steve gives the people where he works. When you get the answer no, don't accept that the first time. If I tell people, you're, you're going to get the answer no at least three times. And he tells them, so actually, don't come to me until after the fourth call. And even for those of us without a Steve, who have to be our own Steve, you might want to think of those first three phone calls as just reconnaissance. You're listening, getting a sense of what the other side's arguments are, and if they make any sense, if they seem to hang together, even if the conclusion sucks. And if they do, and this hurts me to say, but I'm doing the show because the system actually sucks, maybe you figure out how to live with that conclusion. Maybe you move from arguing with your insurance company about whether they should pay to negotiating with the provider about whether they might accept less from you. But don't give up too easily. You have to be willing to stand up for yourself. You have to be willing to tell people in authority sometimes that you believe they're wrong. And unless you're willing to do that, it's likely you're going to continue to be treated that way and, and the answer will always be no. Remind yourself, these are long fights. And know that even for experienced fighters, even for Steve himself, this stuff takes time and effort. Steve says once he got involved with Bridget's case, it still took three months to get things resolved. And remember how Steve blew off the surgical assistant? It sounded so easy. He was like, buzz off. And the guy did. Yeah, but Steve did his homework first. I have seen the bills from that surgery. I've seen the statement from the insurance company. And let me tell you, they were not easy to read. The insurance statement just labeled every line item. And there were dozens and dozens of them as like surgery-related services. And I asked Steve, how did you isolate that line item for that surgical assistant? And he said he spent hours going over all the charges. And I was like, what? Like, you have been reading insurance statements and medical bills for years and years. You are not new to this. And it took you hours? And Steve was like, yeah. And it took weeks and weeks just to make sure I had all the paperwork together. Steve's like, there was real money on the line in this case, but... Honestly, Dan, 80% of this, 90% of this is because I despise the medical system in this country. And I don't differentiate whether it's me or whether it's somebody who works in my organization. I'm, I am going to get you if you are mistreating somebody. I'm going to get you. So I say, let's decide to be like Steve. Let's engage. This is a righteous battle for ourselves, for our family members, for each other. This is not an easy project. 
guess what? Neither is living through a pandemic, especially in this country. These are the fights we've got. So let's keep going together. So do me a favor. Let me know. What is keeping you going? Not just in the fight against financial crap in healthcare, although I will take those suggestions too, but what is keeping you going? Let me know. Head over to armandalegshow.com slash contact. That's armandalegshow.com slash contact. Or call and leave a voice message, 724-276-6534. That's 724-ARM-N-LEG. 724-ARM-N-LEG. And, of course, if you've got stories for me or questions or just words about the show and what you want from us, I will take that too. Because as much as anything else, you are keeping me going. And that includes, in a very practical way, lots of you are supporting the show on Patreon, and that makes a huge difference. It is why I'm able to do this show, and this is a great time to join in on that. But just by listening and letting me know what you think and what you could use and how you are doing, you are keeping me going. So thank you. I'll look forward to hearing from you. Armandalegshow.com slash contact or 724-ARM-N-LEG. I'll share some of what I hear from you next time. And also, here's something to look forward to. In the spirit of an arm and a leg as a school for financial self-defense, I've got Steve Bonasso's teacher, the woman from that insurance agency in Texas, the original fixer, the one who turned the light on for him. I found her. She's great. She fought insurance companies every day for 25 years. Her friends couldn't believe it. I go, I love my job, and they go... You love your job. You spend your whole day talking to an insurance company. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Remember how Steve said he was a real bulldog about medical bills? Next time on An Arm and a Leg, lessons from a bulldog's trainer. Till then, take care of yourself. This episode was produced by me, Dan Weissman, and edited by Marion Wang. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer, and Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America. That's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. Kaiser Health News and the foundation are not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare provider. They share an ancestor, this guy, Henry J. Kaiser. He had his hands in a lot of different stuff, concrete, aluminum, shipbuilding, a resort in Hawaii. When he died... More than 50 years ago, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is senior editor for broadcast, and Tanya English is senior editor for broadcast innovation at Kaiser Health News. They are editorial liaisons to this show. Finally, thank you to some of our new backers on Patreon and some who increased their pledge. Pledge two bucks a month or more, you get a shout out right here. Thanks this week to Sarah McClary, Cheryl Abramoff, Tychus Shiro, Karen Vogel, Michelle Swanson, Meredith Kalman, Sam Thompson, and John Ward. Thank you so much.